Hello and welcome to another episode of Creedle. It is Christmas Eve and I'm releasing this for Christmas. I used to have a tradition on this channel of recording some sort of Christmas homily. And I'm going back to that today. Specifically, I'm going to read for you a homily from St. John Chrysostom. Before we do that, though, just wanted to, to offer a few words about where I've been and what I've been up to. Um, and to apologize for not having good content, good regular content on this channel, I was tallying up the number of episodes that I've done this year. And I'm pretty sure this is a low for me, an annual low since I started podcasting eight years ago in 2015. I did nine total episodes this year. This one will mark the 10th. So at least I hit double digits with this episode. But really, my pace of production drastically dropped off a cliff. And why did that happen? A couple things. One, I've mentioned this before, but we had our fifth child this year. So lots more family time. Um, second, my job at a startup um, just continues apace and gets bigger and busier, it seems like, every day. And third, we moved. So we're now in the South, greater South Bend area. So we're not too far from where we were in suburban Chicago, but we are um, about 90 miles east of that, very close to the University of Notre Dame. And uh, of course, moving just, just takes a lot of effort and a lot of time and, and all of that. So I'm happy to say that that in particular is behind us as we head into 2024. Um, and so, yeah, next year, I certainly plan to be recording a lot more. And I have a couple of other really interesting projects that I think you'll be excited to hear about. Um, I'm not going to announce them yet. I'll probably announce them in 2000, in, well, certainly in 2024, hopefully in January, perhaps in February. But one of those things is a, a likely, what I'll call a likely rebrand of this podcast. Um, I'm going to be taking a little bit of a different approach to it um, and to some of the content that I produce and the types of conversations that I have. But of course, what will always remain a constant theme is keeping the Christological foundation intact. All of you uh, who listen to this have, have heard my friend Larry Chap, and you should go listen to his podcast and read his blog, Gaudium at Spez 22. But it's called Gaudium at Spez 22. He chose that as the title of his podcast and his blog because Gaudium at Spez, this, the document of the Second Vatican Council, calls us to remember the mystery of the incarnate word. Gaudium at Spez, at Spez 22 says, the truth is that only in the mystery of the incarnate word does the mystery of man take on light. For Adam, the first man, was a figure of him who was to come, namely Christ the Lord. Christ, the final Adam, by the revelation of the mystery of the Father and his love, fully reveals man to man himself and makes his supreme calling clear. It is not surprising, then, that in him all the aforementioned truths find their root and attain their crown. And then this part of Gaudium Spez goes on to quote Colossians chapter 1. He who is the image of the invisible God is himself the perfect man. Now, if you turn to your Bible and open up Colossians chapter 1, it's one of my favorite passages of Scripture because of its, its very clear articulation of the Christological foundation, not just of our faith, but of actually the entire world. It's this beautiful prayer as Paul is writing to the Colossians and he's describing how, we've, how he's been praying for the Colossians, the church in Colossae. And then starting in verse 15, which is what Gaudium and Spes cites, St. Paul writes, he is the image of the invisible God, he being Jesus, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in, heavens, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. 
all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That is one of my favorite lines in all of scripture. In him all things hold together. So not just our faith, not just the Bible, not just the sacraments, but all things, all of creation. Jesus Christ, you see, is the firstborn of all creation, the image of the invisible God. And those of you who are inclined to Aristotelian philosophy might think of the argument for God uh, that is called from movement or from motion, the argument, the, this idea that God is the first mover. Uh, you also might think of the argument from contingency, that God is the only non-contingent thing. He's not, I mean, he's not even a thing. He's a non-contingency, right? Everything else is dependent on him. Because you see, in God, and specifically in Christ, who is the image of the invisible God, all things hold together. It's really powerful. Really powerful to think about. So, there are many implications to that claim. But one of them is that if you're a Catholic, the things that you think about, the things that you articulate, the ones, the, those things that are grounded in Christ are not only theological claims or moral claims, but actually claims about everything. Right? For the Catholic scientist, for example, everything that he or she does in science is rooted in the identity and the person of Christ, who is the image of the invisible God. For the artist, it all comes back to God. For the doctor, it all comes back to God. And so this is really substantial, uh, a really substantial uh, claim, obviously. This is one of the most bold claims you can make. And people who are outside of the church, outside of any faith at all, sort of outside of, certainly outside of theism, look at this claim with extreme, extreme skepticism. Why do I need God for this? And one of the things that I'm really interested in doing as this podcast goes forward and evolves is helping, to, uh, helping people understand what the implications of that claim are, and thinking through all areas of life, not just systematic or moral theology or sort of intra-Catholic debates, but all of life, every domain of life, thinking through that, having conversations about that, and asking what Christ brings to bear on it and how Christ can be honored better through it. I think that's, I think that's a really important question. Those are really important questions to ask. And I'm interested in having more conversations about that. So that's a little teaser of what you can expect for this podcast moving forward. There'll probably be a rebrand and, and a retitle and all of that, but I haven't decided exactly, and it's still taking shape in my mind. So my ask of you would be if you have ideas for how this podcast can or should evolve, what you'd like to hear on it, and, and, and really the sky's the limit. You can, be, you, can, you can be very creative with this, and it can be very different from what I've done so far, but if you have ideas of what kind of a podcast you'd like to hear, I would love to hear from you. So please send me a note, Zach, Z-A-C, at creedalpodcast.com. Okay. Without further ado, I'm going to read the Nativity Sermon of St. John Chrysostom, um, and I hope you enjoy this. It's pretty short, um, but it's very profound, as is everything from St. John Chrysostom. And by the way, I, I've mentioned before I attend a Byzantine, uh, a Byzantine Catholic church. I highly encourage any of you who have not yet attended a Byzantine church to do so. The Byzantine liturgy is absolutely beautiful, uh, and there are two main liturgies that are celebrated in the Byzantine rite. Um, that is the liturgy of St. John Chrysostom and the liturgy of St. Basil the Great. Uh, and it's really powerful to be, to be worshiping in this liturgy and realizing this goes all the way back to the time of either St. John Chrysostom or St. Basil the Great, depending on what liturgy you're attending. Uh, and it, it, it's a really amazing reminder of how timeless 
uh, Christianity is, how ancient it is, how rooted in reality it is, how unchanging it has been and will continue to be. So, um, yeah, just just a, a brief word on St. John Chrysostom before, uh, before we begin. All right, so here is the Nativity Sermon of St. John Chrysostom. Behold a new and wondrous mystery. My ears resound to the shepherd's song, piping no soft melody, but chanting full forth a heavenly hymn. The angels sing. The archangels blend their voice in harmony. The cherubim hymn their joyful praise. The seraphim exalt his glory. All join to praise this holy feast, beholding the Godhead here on earth and man in heaven. He who is above, now for our redemption dwells here below, and he that was lowly is by divine mercy raised. Bethlehem this day resembles heaven, hearing from the stars the singing of angelic voices, and in place of the sun enfolds within itself on every side the sun of justice. And ask not how, for where God wills the order of nature yields. For he willed, he had the power, he descended, he redeemed, all things yielded in obedience to God. This day he who is, is born, and he who is becomes what he was not. For when he was God, he became man, yet not departing from the Godhead that is his. Nor yet by any loss of divinity he became man, nor through increase became he God from man, but being the word, he became flesh, his nature, because of impassibility remaining unchanged. And so the kings have come, and they have seen the heavenly king that has come upon the earth, not bringing with him angels, nor archangels, nor thrones, nor dominations, nor powers, nor principalities, but treading a new and solitary path, he has come forth from a spotless womb. Since this heavenly birth cannot be described, neither does his coming amongst us in these days permit of too curious scrutiny. Though I know that a virgin this day gave birth, and I believe that God was begotten before all time, yet the manner of this generation I have learned to venerate in silence, and I accept that this is not to be probed too curiously with wordy speech. For with God we look not for the order of nature, but rest our faith in the power of him who works. What shall I say to you? What shall I tell you? I behold a mother who has brought forth. I see a child come to this light by birth. The manner of his conception I cannot comprehend. Nature here rested while the will of God labored. O ineffable grace, the only begotten who is before all ages, who cannot be touched or be perceived, who is simple without body, has now put on my body that is visible and liable to corruption. For what reason? That coming among us he may teach us, and teaching... Lead us by the hand to the things that men cannot see. For since men believe that the eyes are more trustworthy than the ears, they doubt of that which they do not see. And so he has deigned to show himself in bodily presence, that he may remove all doubt. Christ, finding the holy body and soul of the Virgin, builds for himself a living temple, and as he had willed, formed there a man from the Virgin, and putting him on, this day came forth unashamed of the lowliness of our nature. For it was to him no lowering to put on what he himself had made. Let that handiwork be forever glorified, which became the cloak of its own creator. For as in the first creation of flesh man could not be made before the clay had come into his hand, so neither could this corruptible body be glorified until it had first become the garment of its maker. What shall I say? 
And how shall I describe this birth to you? For this wonder fills me with astonishment. The Ancient of Days has become an infant. He who sits upon the sublime and heavenly throne now lies in a manger. And he who cannot be touched, who is simple, without complexity and incorporeal, now lies subject to the hands of men. He who has broken the bonds of sinners is now bound by an infant's bands. But he has decreed that ignominy shall become honor, infamy be clothed with glory, and total humiliation the measure of his goodness. For this he assumed my body, that I may become capable of his word. Taking my flesh, he gives me his spirit. And so he bestowing and I receiving, he prepares for me the treasure of life. He takes my flesh to sanctify me. He gives me his spirit that he may save me. Come then, let us observe the feast. Truly wondrous is the whole chronicle of the nativity. For this day the ancient slavery is ended. The devil confounded. The demons take to flight. The power of death is broken. Paradise is unlocked. The curse is taken away. Sin is removed from us, error driven out. Truth has been brought back, the speech of kindliness diffused, and spreads on every side. A heavenly way of life has been planted on the earth. Angels communicate with men without fear, and men now hold speech with angels. Why is this? Because God is now on earth, and man in heaven. On every side all things commingle. He became flesh. He did not become God. He was God. Wherefore he became flesh, so that he whom heaven did not contain, a manger would this day receive. He was placed in a manger, so that he, by whom all things are nourished, may receive an infant's food from his virgin mother. So the father of all ages, as an infant at the breast, nestles in the virginal arms, that the magi may more easily see him. Since this day the magi too have come, and made a beginning of withstanding tyranny. And the heavens give glory as the Lord is revealed by a star. To him then, who out of confusion has wrought a clear path, to Christ, to the Father, and to the Holy Spirit, we offer all praise now and forever. Amen. So concludes this wonderful homily by St. John Chrysostom. I hope you enjoyed. And I look forward to bringing you more podcasts next year. Thank you so much for listening. I'm sorry again for the lack of production recently, but I'll be back very soon. And I hope that you and yours have a very Merry Christmas. Glory to Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm.